Welcome to the What's Your Truth podcast, the show that not only showcases the best of independent artists, but also explores what inspires them, what drives them, and what they consider their fundamental purpose as an artist to be. Today on the show, we have Anne-Marita Garsed, originally from Norway and transcending genres, borders, and generations with her artistic wizardry. Anne-Marita's sound is the perfect blend of familiarity and flair, sentiment and style. She is like the comfort food of music, giving you all the delicious remnants of times past and all the feels you would expect to come out of all things timeless and yet just the right dash of sonic cayenne pepper to keep things fresh, new, and exciting. Vocally, Anne-Marita's is the perfect combination of delicate and sultry with notes of jewel and hints of Linda Ronstadt and Shelby Lynn to wet your sonic palette. Her writing style and instrumentation is in a league with the folk and country greats of yesterday and today, including the likes of Carrie Underwood, Dolly Parton, and of course, Willie Nelson. A storyteller in the truest sense of the word and as independent as independent artist comes, Anne-Marita has performed throughout the world in places ranging from Alaska to Berlin and from Australia to Los Angeles. Aside from being one of the most top-shelf musicians on the planet, she's also an actress, a vocal coach, and one of the coolest damn people I've ever met. It's my pleasure to have her on the show, ladies and gentlemen, Anne-Marita Garced. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you, Johnny. You are so welcome. Thank you for being here. Wow. <laughs> and uh, all the way from honor. Europe. Yeah, I am uh, in my studio outside Gothenburg, Sweden right now. Oh, right on. Yeah. A little chilly up there, I imagine, huh? Uh, it's it's around freezing, um, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. That's one thing that I've never been able to calculate is the Celsius versus Fahrenheit thing. I'm good with all the other stuff, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's roll into it, shall we? Yeah. Awesome. So my first question for you is, how did you decide that you wanted to become a musician? Um, honestly, I don't even remember if there was a specific moment. Uh, I, I, it was just the one thing that I always wanted to do more than anything else. Um, you know, I, I've always been a writer. I've always been an actress and, and all those other, um, artistic endeavors, but, um, singing was my one true love always. And, and, uh, so it just kind of chose me. I think it just, it was, I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. So. Yeah, I like that. I, and it's true. I like how you said it chose you because it really is like most of the artists I know, they're very drawn to what they do. It's, you know, obviously there's a level of cause to it, but there is an element of almost like magic to it, you know, I think. Yeah. And it's drawn to it that way. That's so awesome. So what was the first experience you remember having with music? Well, I didn't come from a very musical family. I mean, a lot of people do, and I'm always jealous of them. You know, the siblings that grow up singing harmonies together and that kind of thing. I didn't have any of that. Um, <laughs> we were farmers, uh, and um, we didn't. We, we lived way out in the boonies in in Norway, and uh, we could only get one um, one TV channel and one radio station, basically, and so not a whole lot of options when it came to music. But my my dad was a huge country music fan and he would play all the old records around the house. He would play, you know, um, Johnny Cash live at uh, whatever prison. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I remember listening to Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers and, and Jim Reeves and, and all those people. And, um, and that's where that kind of started at the time. I didn't appreciate it as much but it was all I had. So it was like, it, it became a natural part of my um, um, development, I suppose. 
and then you know I started mixing it with other genres as I started hearing other genres and uh it just became what I do now I suppose wow awesome and then who are the biggest influences on your work and why oh how long have you got um I mean, I, I listen, my, I very, a very eclectic taste in music and, and, um, you know, I'll listen to old timey blues, like, you know, Bessie Smith and, and Etta James and, and all that stuff. And, but then I'll listen to, you know, Keith Urban or, or somebody, you know, in contemporary country. And I, I love, um, Oh my gosh, singer-songwriters like Patty Griffin and Emmylou Harris and Sean Colvin and, and Bonnie Raitt and you know. Um, then I'll be like totally gaga about old Eagles albums and and um, the Everly Brothers and uh, I mean you name it. It's I just Ella Fitzgerald is like has the most perfect voice I've ever heard. Um, and so I I listen to just about anything. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I tell you, it really does come through in your music. I mean, like I said, like I was listening to uh, Company Town, you know, and it, I think I even posted about this because I was just like, whoa. But it's like, you know, I can see elements of the old time, like folky stuff, like the Willie Nelson stuff. I can see some Joel in there. I can see some more contemporary stuff. It's almost like you're like a white light of music where you combine everything into like this crazy white light communication. That's just what I get from you. And it's really incredible. I just realized that that's really what I think that is to me when, when I see you perform. And it's incredible. Oh, thank you so much. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> of course you can. Absolutely. Hell, hell yes. This is going to be public, so I can't hide awesome thank you so much oh for... no absolutely wow absolutely so what's the weirdest thing that's ever inspired you Ooh, wow okay I get inspired by very weird things and usually they're old stories uh like I I love writing songs about things historical events you know like um immigrant stories and and uh gold rush stories and all that sort of stuff so i i get in, inspired about the strangest things and i guess how that started was when i was um 14 i was still living in norway and my my grandpa had passed away and he had this big trunk sitting in the attic with all this old stuff in that we weren't allowed to touch and once he was gone i was like okay i gotta look in this trunk now i gotta see what's in there and it was a whole bunch of junk. I don't even know why I kept it. But there were some really awesome things, too, um, including a stack of old letters from our family members that had immigrated to the United States in the late 1800s. And I, uh, I started reading them. And um, I became familiar with my great-grandfather's sister, who was 19 years old when she came to America. And... Um, and I sort of followed her life as she wrote about it in, in these letters. And I, I wrote a novel about her at the age of 14. It didn't get published. But then I eventually wrote a song about her as well, which is um, on one of my albums called uh, Caroline with the K. Okay. And I think that's how my fascination with writing about uh, historical things started. And so I've, since then, I've just kind of kept doing that for a big portion of what I do. Awesome. I love that. And that's so unique. I mean, you know, I mean, there's like the kind of the basic food groups that people write about love, hate, 
you know, sex, violence, drugs, all these things. And I think that's really refreshing. And it's, it's something that's been really missing um, in a lot of styles in, in the last few decades, really. I mean, again, that just makes me think of Willie Nelson because he wrote, that was like the kind of stuff he wrote about half the time, you know, and, and that's just great. I love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, Honestly, like, I, I think I've written two love songs in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> I, I've, written, I've written a lot of brokenhearted songs, but actual love songs, maybe a couple. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of hard for me to do. Um, and whenever people talk about, oh, you know, the six steps to writing a hit song or and all that stuff, I, that's for somebody else. I can't, I can't do that. I mean, I wish I could. I might be better off in some ways, but um, I just, I just got to do it my way. And that's, again, that's uh, spoken like a true independent artist, I would say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So how has your art influenced other people? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, other people as in people close to me or in, re in general? Whatever it means to you, it's your interview. <laughs> ah, wow. Okay. Um, I, I do believe that, you know, a big part of what I do is, is sort of telling the story behind the song when I'm out playing live and, and um, things like that. And, and I think there are, there are times when people will come up to me after and be like, you know, in tears going, that is my story. And, and this happened to me. And, and, and it's sort of, um, I think I think it moves them. <laughs> I would, you know, to not be too conceited. I think um, hearing those stories kind of moves them, and maybe it moves them to, I don't know, take some action in their lives or um, do something differently. I have no idea, but at that moment, I know that they come up to me and they're always like, "Wow, um, I really felt that." And for whatever it's worth, I mean, I don't know what it does, but at that moment, I feel like it means something to them. So. Yeah, absolutely. If nothing else, you reached them on some level. What that yeah. turns into is up to them. But, you know, and I think there's a big difference between saying, listen to this song, it's going to knock you out and saying and like looking and saying, wow, I just played this song and this happened. At yeah. that point, not being conceited, I think you're just reporting what happened. <laughs> and it's valid, you know, I mean, you can validly observe that. I think that's that's wonderful. And that kind of to me is like the mark of a true artist is the ability to touch people on that level where you get an emotive response from them. That's kind of the idea, right? Yeah, um, I, I guess, um, you know, I'm, I just don't want to, I, I want to be kind of humble about it at the same time. But you know, it, there are moments where I feel like I do reach people. So and I, I really love those moments. They do a lot for me, too. Absolutely. So do you have any pre show or pre studio rituals? Um, well, I, I got to do my vocal warm ups. That's a definite ritual, you know, do all the weird stuff that and all those things um I'm sure you know all about it <laughs> and but I also really like to at least just have a few minutes to just sit and close my eyes and breathe and kind of get grounded into the situation I hate being rushed going to a gig and like you know having to set up super fast and then oh no sound check and okay you got to start now you know the, that part of it is always a bit hard for me because I don't, I don't get that moment to just kind of connect with what I'm about to do. Everything else is just still in my system. So if I have that moment to just sit and meditate for a second, that makes a world of difference to me. hundred percent. 
And I am very much with you on that. It's you yeah. definitely need that, that few moments before the show to. I like the way you said it is getting grounded. It's almost like you're you're almost physically grounding yourself to like the venue or the the space or whatever you're doing. At least for me, that's <clears throat> that's part of it, and that's yeah, so crucial. Yeah. So, what risks, if any, have you personally taken for the sake of your music? Ooh. <laughs> Are we talking the risks that? paid off or the ones that you know devastated my entire existence <laughs> you know there's it's open-ended whatever whatever you feel like telling me i will absolutely listen oh man i i could totally go off on a tangent on this one but um let's let's see risks uh well i mean i've i've moved more times than i can count um uh, i've lived in in four countries on three different continents i've lived in Norway, Sweden, US, and Australia. And every time I've made a move, you know, um, it's it's always been a risk because you have no idea what's waiting you on the other side and, and how it's all going to work out. So um, these days I sort of divide my time between the US and Sweden. And um, I just spent three months in the US and, you know, I, I go off and do my tours and then you know, do my whatever else is going on. And, and it's always a risk. You never know if it's going to, if it's going to pay off in financially or in any other way. So it's, it's always a bit of a gamble, right? <laughs> and no, then, I'm... you know, I've, I've taken bigger risks, before, you know, in addition to that, where I've signed contracts that I didn't know were going to totally screw up my life. Um, and <laughs> But at that moment, when I signed it, I, you know, wanted to believe that, okay, this is going to do something for me, but you don't know that until you're into whatever, whatever the next stage of it is going to be. Yeah, no, totally. And I've, I have also been in or seen those scenarios as well. And yeah, they can get messy, but it's true. Like you just have this like creative vibe going through. You just want the project to go and to make it big. And it's true. Sometimes you don't think about the, the potential repercussions should things mm. go south. Yeah. I always mean, a it's, learning experience. What's that? It's, it's always a learning experience. Definitely. And and one thing that I have learned that's very important to me anyway is that um <laughs> you know, a contract doesn't really mean a whole lot unless you have the money to sue the other party if they don't uphold their part of the deal. And that's I mean, if there's one thing that I I've taken from all this, it would be that. <laughs> That is a good lesson and a good point. Actually, I never thought of that, but it's true. It's like, it's great to have the right to sue somebody, but court, you know, filing fees and things like that, it costs money to do that. So, yeah. And these guys, I feel like when going into it, probably know that too. Yeah. The ones that yeah. They're aware of that fact. Very true. Right. Yes. So what's the craziest risk you've ever seen another artist take for their craft? Ooh. Hmm. Okay, that's that's a tough one. Wow, you're keeping me on my toes here. Uh, <laughs> um, I've I've seen I, I don't want to mention any names because I don't you know, but I, I've seen some people just completely, you know, they have one thing going and then they realize, no, I'm going to take up an entirely different instrument and I'm going to go this direction. Um, and and sometimes that is successful and other times you know it, it's a bit of work um but you know more power to them if you want to totally reinvent yourself um sometimes we need to do that sometimes we need to just kind of 
go 180 in the other direction. Yeah, no, 100%. And yeah, that's always a risk. I mean, you know, if for nothing else, you know, especially I've seen this with bigger acts too, where they do that and they just half the fans love it and half the fans are super upset by it, you know, and mm-hmm. you just never know. I think U2 is actually one of those that's done that a couple times and uh, Metallica comes to mind as well as one of the mm-hmm. bigger ones that's done that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people love it, sometimes they hate it. You know, yeah, yeah. And and the the old tried and true fans are gonna be like, oh no, 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 no. We want we want the old way still. Um mm-hmm. and so it's it's hard for any artist to really kind of change direction if they have that solid fan base, I guess. No, it's very true. So what is the one thing or the one tool that you absolutely cannot live without as an artist and why? Uh are we talking like actual material things or ideas or uh, again whatever it means to you it's it is your interview so you get to answer however you deem appropriately okay um well everything for me changed once i learned to play guitar um uh, i that as a singer songwriter i was just i was stuck not being able to accompany myself so you know um i don't know i couldn't i couldn't live without a guitar these days that's just part of what i do and and even though i'm no I'm no virtuoso guitar player. It's functional and it works for what I do. Um, that's one thing. That's a tangible thing. Um, being able to write the way that I do, just my own way, um, that's also something that I couldn't couldn't live without. Um, I, and I'm totally open to co-writing, but I still got to have my own sort of core, um, my space where I where I just do it my way. Also, just just to express myself in some sort of fashion. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, again, I feel you. I never, you know, and even when I've like, I've done some songwriting boot camps and things, and I kind of look at it more like building a tool belt, you know, but doing things in sequence in the same way every time, it's a little bit like, that's just a little bit confounding to me too. I'm, I understand completely. Hmm. So what has been the most difficult piece of music for you to create and why? Ooh, to create. Um... Hmm. Well, last year I, I it, it had taken me a while, but I finished a, a, a full length album that I produced on my own. I mean, I had input from other musicians and stuff, but in in the end, I was I was the executive producer and the producer, and that whole body work was uh, it wasn't easy for a lot of reasons because I did it in the middle of the pandemic and um, getting getting things done when things were kind of shut down was a lot harder. Um, so actually getting it physically finished was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. When it comes to actual difficulty in music, I, 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 um, I go crazy with harmonies on my own songs. I love, I love just layering harmonies like crazy and, and just, I lose hours, maybe days, just sitting in my studio doing that and sometimes I it just it's just too much (laughs) and I I kind of get lost in the process and then I'm just like this just took over the song and I just got to scrap everything that happens so um (laughs) so awesome honestly that I, the more you talk, the more I'm just interested. I, I, I need to delve more into your music. I've, I've listened to, to some, but I haven't covered all the bases yet. But yeah, I, that's, I love that. And uh, 
you know, just getting enmeshed in a song like that, like the song at some point, to me, if you're doing it right, the song kind of takes over anyway, you know, mm. and yeah. I think it's so great. And, you know, that's something that I did definitely notice in some of the stuff that I did hear the, of your music, your recorded stuff is the harmonies are absolutely mind blowing. Oh, thank you. Wow. Yeah. No, Thanks. seriously. That's a wow. And congratulations on doing an album. I mean, I, that is not a small feat to, produce an album and especially when you're the performer and the producer that is a lot of work and a lot of emotional commitment so uh just well done congratulations on getting that done that's a big accomplishment thank you um i i wanted to go a little bit old school i know that most people release singles um these days which makes a whole lot of sense and which is probably what i'll continue doing after this as well but i I wanted to do that whole album thing and be the producer and have that under my belt and just kind of, okay, done that, you know? Absolutely. So if you were going to write a book about your career up to this point, what would you title it? Ooh. <laughs> um, a book. Well, I, I, I do write, so I have written quite a bit. I haven't written a whole book about myself, but um, I might be able to call it something like... Um, I had fun. <laughs> I like that. That's a good title. You know, I, I feel like when people, when you ask them that question, they think of like more controversial or like the, the difficulty side of thing and naming it after that. But you took it the other direction and just made it. I had fun. I love that. That's so great. <laughs> so what are your plans for world domination? Oh, um, well, um i i oh wow that's a tough one <laughs> world domination um i in my mind i sort of been working on this sort of like one woman show with like almost like a play but a concert at the same time where um i tell the stories and i almost like bring certain props in to to kind of illustrate and and uh do the songs and maybe talks in between about, you know, random things and just kind of turn it into like, I don't know. What would you, what would you call that? I don't even know. What that on the show. It sounds like about that's the right way to say it. Yeah. 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 Um, that's been sort of on my mind for a while. I also do want to write a book, um, not necessarily about myself, but um, probably inspired by experiences I've had. Sure. Makes total sense. And then I have one more question for you. And just going back to the introduction to this show, you know, the show again, not only is to showcase the best of independent artists, but also explore what inspires them, what drives them and what they consider their fundamental purpose as an artist to be. So Amarita, what's your truth? Whew, my truth. <laughs> These are really deep questions, Johnny. Thank you. Um, my truth is, well, to put it simply, your gut feeling will not steer you wrong. Uh, this has been a big thing for me to learn through the years. Um, and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes because I haven't listened to my gut feeling. And that's when I've ended up in, you know, some sort of trouble. Um, but every time that I've sort of like, steered right back on track um, by just feeling it out. Um, 
uh, that has always been the right thing to do. And so I guess my truth is to be true to yourself. Um, it sounds trite and it sounds simple, but it's, I don't know how else to put it, honestly. That's beautiful. And honestly, you know, the simplest truths tend to be the most powerful, don't they? Mm. So I think that's a beautiful way of ending this interview. Thank you so much for being here. Thank um, you so much for having me. What an honor. You are so welcome. And before we do go, though, I want to take 60 seconds and just kind of open the floor to you. If there's anything you want to plug, you know, 60 seconds of everything Anne Marita Garcet. Go. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So you can find me online at annmarita.com. That's A-N-N-M-A-R-I-T-A.com. And I am Anne Marita Music on most social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter. I'm not on TikTok, which I keep what? getting crap for all the time these days, but I guess I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can check out my album, my latest album, Geography, on uh, all streaming platforms as well. Amazing. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here with me on a, on a, on a cold Saturday. It's been wonderful. And uh, guys, this has been the What's Your Truth podcast. Until next time, later. Yeah, you follow your own rules and you preach them on to me. But you don't think before you act and you ain't got no business with me. You know, no. But then what's your truth? Oh, what's your truth? Now you got down on